Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Kevin Godby touched me one time. It was inappropriate, but I liked it. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, they sometimes are irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you way pre-recorded, 100% pre-recorded. Because as I'm doing this, it's Wednesday night, January 29th, and uh, more on that in just a minute. But in tonight's show, we have a, uh, in pipe parts, I'm going to, based off of the conversation that I had with Neil Rohn, it made me start rethinking my pipe collection, the state of my pipe collection, and uh, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that and maybe give you some tidbits and hints or, you know, some ideas for your own pipe collection. Then my guest tonight is Brad Emery. Brad is working for Briarworks now. But Brad goes back in the industry, back to the uh, mid-late 90s with Uptowns, and uh, so we get to hear about that and get caught up with Brad. Um, Mailbag, music, and a uh, rant-rave observation kind of thing. So (laughs) all that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And uh, yes, we are way pre-recorded because... uh, by the time you're hearing this, I will be on my way to Orlando for uh, a couple of days down there with uh, wedding plan preparations for this summer. Uh, but I'm leaving. I'll be in Las Vegas for five days, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this because this is the first time where I'm traveling with my wife, and she's going to a conference, and I'm the extra person. So. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know quite what the schedule is. Don't know quite what kind of free time I'll have. But anyway, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And on a uh, on a more somber note, today, January 29th, uh, Facebook erupted with uh, notifications from the family of John Harden, who many of you know as Matches860 on YouTube of his uh, sudden passing. And I can tell you, I met John once at a pipe show. Uh, I watched some of his videos, a very eloquent and humble man. And I can tell he was deeply loved by what his daughter has written and said about him. And he will be deeply missed. So I ask you all to uh, raise your pipes in the memory of Matches 860. And as you do that, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Here we go. There's nothing quite like fishing at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Hi, Colin from GQ Tobaccos here. We're an old-fashioned tobacconist with one of the largest selections of pipes in the UK. We have everything from the big brand factory names to the one-of-a-kind handmade artisan masterpieces. On GQTobaccos.com, you'll find pipes from Dunhill, Costello, Salmonelli, and Stanwell, just to name a few of the 60 brands that we carry. We also have pipes from Master Granfelder, Peter Jefferson, and other artisans. If you'd like to complete your collection with a clay pipe or a meerschaum, we have those too. We are mail order specialists and send pipes all over the world, 
and anything outside of Europe is tax-free. Come check us out at gqtobaccos.com. Cheers. And we are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, the state of my pipe collection as I sit here and look at them, and and this goes with the discussion that I had with uh, that we had with Neil Roan about his pipe collecting or his pipe purchasing or whatever you want to call it. I'm going to call it a collection just for uh, simplicity's sake. All right, I've got I I've really got four different segments to the pipes that I own. Uh, I own the Disney pipes. And I don't, you know, I smoke a few of them. I look at all of them. I don't ever sell them or get rid of them. So that's a real true collection where you just buy something to have it. Then in my pipes that I smoke, they're broken down into uh, three real areas. All right. Uh, There are sentimental pipes to me. These are pipes that were either... Uh, especially made for me or given to me or I, you know, however you want to think of it. They're pipes that I don't smoke that often, but I don't want to get rid of them. Um, For example, the uh, very limited uh, Meerschaum pipe that McClellan gave me that is a large bowl with their whale logo on the front of it carved. Uh, several uh, pipe makers that have gifted me pipes over the years. Uh, you know, I'll never part with those because that's a gift from a craftsman who is giving their time to make it and giving them a piece of you. Uh, in that collection also, I have, uh, uh, in that assortment, I also have some pipes that are special to me because of times in my life when I got them. Um, I still have the first Big Ben pipe that I got. And the first time I met Albert, uh, I still have the original uh, Brigham pipe that was given to me when I was talking to Brigham. Uh, so those, those pipes like that, they may not get smoked that often. But again, they're sentimental. They remind me of a time in my life and stuff like that. Um, now, if you were looking at my pipes in the bulk of what I own and where kind of the money is focused and I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm using money as a terminology of where I've spent most of it is in my, uh, love affair with the pipes of Smeo Sato. Uh, this past Christmas, I celebrated my 10th anniversary with my little Sato pipe that opened my eyes to how much I like his pipes. Um, and, and again, don't, don't think about the price of those pipes, but think about maybe for you, it might be that first time you got a Peterson, uh, a Peterson bent bulldog and it kind of opened your eyes to that was what may, you know, that was magical for you. So you may have an expansion of that. Um, then the rest of my pipes, I have my five English pipes from the classic English factories. I have those. I have a Sassini, Camoys, Dunhill. I have a GBD, a Barling, and I actually have two Camoys, but don't tell anybody. Um, and I have those because I think they're, and I smoke them occasionally. Don't smoke them as often as I, as I should. But I have those because I think it's important as a pipe smoker, and I've said this in the past, it's important to understand where the... Uh, modern pipes are getting their inspirations from. So all those classic English factories all have some sort of indication into what a billiard should look like, what a bowl should look like. 
And I've got, you know, very nice examples, nothing super highly collectible, nothing super highly priced, but just good examples of what those English factories were doing in the, uh, in the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. And you can find them. Uh, and then the pipes that really get the brunt of the smoking are, and I've talked about the two little travel pipes that I go with everywhere. One was made by Jody Davis. The other one was made by Ernie Markle. And I don't leave home without them. If I'm going anywhere, I'm going with those. And I've got my little bowl caps that I use that uh, Ricardo Santia made. And, you know, I don't go anywhere without those. Uh, then I've got some other, you know, artisan, uh, artisan branded or artisan made pipes that I've bought mostly as estates over the years. And it, you know, that, that, that kind of fluctuates in and out. So if as a pipe doesn't become real popular in my, it doesn't get smoked that often. That's really the range of pipes that I'm talking about when I say I'm, you know, trimming, you know, I'm culling the herd or trimming out the collection. Uh, for example, I've probably got a couple of, uh, I've probably got four or five pipes right now that really haven't been picked up in smoke since the last time I did a, uh, did a culling of the herd back in, uh, March, April, February, March of last year. So maybe those need to go on to new homes. Um, I do have some pipes that I have that I need to get cleaned up and yeah and and re-smoke them again, but that part of that collection, the real staunch smoking collection, those are the ones that are really it's kind of a movable feast. Um, I do have you know I I've got a good pipe selection. I've got small sizes all the way down to like a very light group two and a half group three size. All the way up into some a couple of pipes that you know can probably take a probably take a half ounce of tobacco in the bowl and I can sit at the reclining chair for hours and hours and hours smoking them. So it's important to have those. Um, I've also started focusing some of my purchases recently, especially with like Ryan Alden, on a what I call like a group five uh, pocket pipe. So five inches and under but yet a bowl size that is big enough to hold for me two hours of smoking uh, and it's just been i've been gravitating towards finding more and more of those pipes because those are the ones that are easy to take in the car for a couple hours or to have here around the house and they're not that heavy not that bulky um had you looked at my pipe collection or my pipe assortment 10 years ago, you would have seen all straight Lavats, sandblasted, rusticated, uh, and then it started to mature to a couple of bents here and there and started to change over. Yes, I do still have a good assortment of long shanked or medium shanked, medium length shanked pipes. Uh, yes, I do still prefer a short saddle bit. Uh, yeah, and Jeff Grasick and I talked about that, how that's, you know, we both prefer that. He likes to make them. I like to smoke them. Um, so that part of my original pipe collecting from 15 years ago is still with me. Um, on a, yeah, but now I have more bents and different shapes and different styles. So it's very dramatically more than it was even just 10 years ago where everything was long shank, short stem. 
the funny thing is the the pipe that I've had the longest with me is a uh, Costello Sea Rock, very small uh, lumberman shape. I wouldn't call it a Lavat because it's well, it, it it's a Lavat, you know, five and a half inches. I think that pipe's been with me since 1998. So that's the longest pipe I've had with me. Oh, and I did forget to mention I have two pipes from my great grandfather. So yeah, he he had those probably back in the 1970s. All right. Uh, interested to get your feedback on maybe how your pipe collection has altered, changed the state of your collection. Hope I uh, hope I said something that might uh, trigger some thoughts for you. All right, in just a minute, Brad Emery. This is Internet Radio. Meet Aaron, one of the most important people at SmokingPipes.com. In our shipping department, he's one of the cogs in the highly efficient wheel, if you will, that's responsible for making sure your order goes out right every time. Ain't that right, Aaron? I don't know all about that cog in the wheel stuff, but I do know at SmokingPipes.com, I take my work very seriously. Pulling tents of tobacco, weighing bulk tobacco, triple checking orders, and getting them out the door. Since it's so easy to order from SmokingPipes.com, you're keeping Aaron pretty darn busy. Look at him go, go, go. <laughs> In fact, it's been a challenge to get him to stop long enough to say hello. But Aaron doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why is that, Aaron? Because I don't just ship pipes. I smoke them. Gotta run. <laughs> just log on to SmokingPipes.com or call us at 1-888-366-0345. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. <laughs> We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is a name that may be new to most of you, but Brad, I feel like I've known you for two decades, um, but <laughs> from uh, Briarworks, and uh, and we'll get the name of the store and all that stuff, I promise, is uh, Brad Emery. Brad, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you very much, Brian, and I'm sure it has been at least two decades. Yeah, so let, let's go back to the beginning. And uh, where, when did you start at? Uh, how'd you get into the into the industry side of this pipe and tobacco world? I started. I had a good friend that was uh, an assistant manager at a local shop here in Nashville. Um, the once once there uptown smoke shop that is no longer a thing <laughs> the once great um, and mighty uptowns exactly legendary and uh i started as part-time christmas help uh that's you know thinking just a, a quick uh part-time job and maybe within two weeks i was completely hooked so uh <laughs> that was that was mid uh, 90s probably 95 96 in that area um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> part-time job that's all it is yeah now had you had you smoked anything before that uh, yeah were... i had i was it was definitely limited um and in fact i think the first cigar i ever bought was an old arturo puente brevis the little machine made you know 99 cent cigars um other than that, a handful of La Corona whiffs. Excellent. Handmade. No, wait, no, no, wait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gas station stuff. Um, I knew Uptown's 
because they had an incredible beer selection. To be perfectly honest, that's what brought me in there more than cigars did. Uh, and of course, this was long before uh, the craft beer movement. But that's what first made me aware of that store existing at all. So you're working there part time, and is it literally like two weeks, and then you're full time, and you're kind of stuck forever now? It was it was pretty close to that. I think by uh, I don't recall if it was before Christmas or if it was right after Christmas. But the long time we had two locations at the time. Uh, the original location in Green Hills had a manager. Uh, Bob, who'd been there for at least a decade or more, um, Bob was was retiring, and so they were looking for a new manager for that store. And Stacy Harmon, another good yep. buddy of, of both of ours, uh, was offered that position, and he said he would go, but he wanted to bring me on as an assistant manager. So it was probably within. I'm going to say six months, I guess, from the time I started as part-time Christmas help uh, that I had moved into uh, assistant manager. And, and yeah, it was at that point I was, I was done. It was over. This is what I was going to do. Now, what made you move to Nashville? Were you going to be a country music star and lose your truck and your dog in a divorce? Uh, yeah. She's my truck and she's driving me to drinking. Right. Yeah. Um, no, I, my dad, uh, his job moved us around a lot. So we, I was actually born in Atlanta, moved into Mobile, Birmingham, Cleveland, Ohio, and then ended up here in, in Nashville. Um, so I had my grandparents in Cleveland, which is what took us up there. I also had grandparents in Alabama, which is what had us there. So we ended up kind of settling in between here in Nashville. <laughs> so round and round you go um exactly yeah yeah now you ended up working for uh for music city marketing on the on the wholesale side and and you want to go ahead and just give us the ownership arrangement of music city marketing and uptowns and how you made the move over there yeah um bill nunley is the was the owner uh of of really everything the empire if you will he started Music City Marketing in around 75, I want to say. Uh, and then in the early 80s, had the opportunity to, to buy the existing smaller shop that was there in Green Hills. Kind of got into that as a really a, an aside, I'd say. Um, Bill's big passion was for wine and still is. He still owns a, a, a pretty big wine shop uh in down, just about downtown, midtown Nashville. Um, and this, of course, was back when Nashville was still pretty a pretty sleepy town. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Music City uh, kind of had their start. Bill used to, in fact, from my understanding of the story, he took out ads in the back of old magazines and offered incense, just direct sales uh, of incense. And during the 80s it was not a big time with cigars but they were slugging along there um as the 90s came along and the boom hit for cigars obviously he became pretty interested in that so both uptowns as well as music city marketing really expanded on 
everything from pipes, cigars, all the accessories that go along with it. Um, so that's that kind of completely changed the the trajectory for for Music City, and, and certainly led to a big change at, at Uptowns too. By the time the the boom hit, yeah, yeah, Bill ran the whole thing, um, and I think he d- is still not only the the wine and, and liquor store there in Midtown Nashville, but he does still have an interest in a uh, smoke shop in in Midtown Nashville near the Vanderbilt University campus. But it's a it's certainly not to the extent that, that Uptown's was or that Music City was. So what made you move over to Music City and get into the wholesale side? Um, opportunity. That's all. Uh, as I said earlier, fairly quickly, I was able to move through Uptowns uh, from assistant manager to eventually a manager of one of the stores to eventually the general manager for both of the locations and then eventually the, the pipe department. Um Moving over to the wholesale side uh, was really a timing thing. Uh, Music City had a, a salesperson that was leaving. It was a good time for me to move over and kind of have the the retail mind, I guess, as a salesperson for them. Uh, so it was just a good fit at the time. Uh, certainly, I was familiar with all of Music City's products since we did sell plenty of those at, uh, at Uptowns. <laughs> Um, so it was just an, an easy move and just a, a different step, I suppose, in the, in, in my career, in my move. Yeah. Uh, it was something I wasn't as familiar with. And really, as, as many people may know, in this industry, when you go to move out of a retail store, a lot of guys, or girls, that is, people move into uh, road sales. And that's a, that's a tough gig. Um, I've definitely looked into it before. I've interviewed with a couple of companies, but married, having a couple of kids—that's a rough life. It's uh, it's a tough thing. So uh, I wasn't interested in you know living six days on, on you know out of the week on on the road. Uh, but this gave me an opportunity to do a little bit of in-store events around the country. I did a lot of travel with Music City. Uh, of course, the the trade shows were were still a thing. Uh, but that's it, that was the part that really interested me was the, the interaction with just a, a bigger audience. And this is that natural progression that I've talked about on the show once or twice before, where the you know the best wholesale people are usually the best retail people. So you know you want to get yeah, a job I in mean, the I, industry, I stand behind a register for forty hours a week for a while, you'll get to know the industry. Exactly. I mean, I think having that uh, perspective on orders and budget limits and and things like that, I had a lot of smaller shops that were interested in growing pipe sales, you know, and how do you do that? And how do I, you know, there were some people that just thought, you know, well, hey, all I need to do is order in, you know, $50,000 worth of pipes and all of a sudden I'll be a, a huge pipe destination and <laughs> I need a website and <laughs> deep pockets. And it's like, no, that's, I mean, even Uptowns with its story history uh, in, in pipe sales, namely, it was a, it was a slow thing. It wasn't something that just happened overnight. And, and so it, it, it was nice to, to be able to talk with people and say, yeah, I mean, that's a great idea, but here's, <laughs> here's maybe another way of looking at it. 
that's a perfect place for us to take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, wholesale at Music City and then uh, what you're doing now. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show with Brad Emery. And uh, I, I guess, Brad, really the, the big jump for Music City marketing was when you be, Music City was the Dunhill importer for years. Yeah, that was uh, significant. Let's, let's <laughs> say that. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, before that, it had been Lane Limited, and now all of a sudden, here's little Music City Marketing that takes it over. Were you on the wholesale side yet? Not yet. Um, I, in fact, was a kind of an amalgam, I guess, of, of a position <laughs> at, at uh, Uptown, where I was general manager, but I was also kind of a, a manager of the, the pipe department as well. Um, which is where I think Uptown's really drew the attention to to Dunhill uh, and, and their team was the success that we had had on, you know, a couple of small Danish and other Scandinavian pipe makers out there that uh, we'd had a lot of yeah. success with. Um, and that's, that's, I think, how that first started. I know that... Uh, probably in 99, I want to say that, uh, Uptowns was named as the, the retailer of the year. We were a principal pipe dealer. So, you know, fairly early on when I was there, uh, Dunheld certainly had us on their radar as far as, uh, Uptowns and Music City as a whole. Uh, but yes, the opportunity came, uh, that they were looking for new distribution in the U S we at the time were distributors for Stanwell when they were still in Borup in Denmark, uh, as well. Uh, so we, we had some pipe distribution kind of already set up where, uh, cigars and cigar distribution was, if you didn't go direct, there were a lot of, you know, uh, secondary marketers, uh, and sellers for cigars, but pipes were a little different thing, uh, within the, within the industry. So since we had those channels set up and with those fairly easily recognized names, uh, it became a, became a great, uh, great partnership. On the wholesale side, when a shipment came in of pipes, did you, uh, you know, go running to see what we got and start cherry picking stuff for your customers? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we did essentially two buys a year. Um, there were, of course, things in between, but two major buys uh, every year. And one, obviously, in prep for the uh, 
Part TDA, IP, CPR, PCA, whatever it's being called now, um, <laughs> so, we had, <laughs> so that we had a uh, a good selection there. Um, and yeah, absolutely. And and that wasn't as so much as uh, you know, I have a cherry pick as in I want to make sure this you know this retail outlet gets this because I don't want you know that retail outlet to get it. It was more that just like anything else, uh, there were certain shops that I knew and any of us there that, that had to unmail accounts knew it's going to work better in this shop or it's going to work better in that shop. So we, you know, there were, there were some of the, the super high end gold band or, you know, anything fancy limited. We knew there was certainly a, a, a small handful of shops that could move that kind of stuff better, uh, more successfully than, than other shops. And, and so that's the kind of cherry picking we did was to make sure that the, the right pipe went to the right place. Um, but, all of those shops aside, it was a, a blast for me personally, <laughs> just to go in and see hundreds of Dunhill pipes that uh, I was able to just you know pour over just to just to take a look at. Because certainly, uh, even with Dunhill or with uh, Uptown's being a Dunhill principal pipe dealer, we did get some really interesting pipes, but we didn't get you know a couple of hundred at a time to go yeah. through. So. Uh, it was just fun, like I say, on a personal level to to be able to dig through those. Yeah, so th I mean that's an interesting point because we all think of on a on a retail side, the uh, you know the the retailer buys pipes, thinking of a specific customer in mind, and sure. you on the wholesale side, you get to know your customers and you get to know what they're what they like to buy and what they like to put out for their clientele. So you want to make sure that you've got enough for them and, uh, you know, and you want, you, you, you want to make the sale so that. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and more importantly, I want to make it that, you know, in, in that situation, I wanted to make sure that the shop that got it made that sale because even if they didn't have, you know, say a, a specific client in mind that other clients might have that specific shop in mind. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I mean, that, you know, you can go to that shop because they're going to have something unique and it's not going to go dust up on a shelf somewhere that, yeah, it's awesome that you have it, yeah. but it doesn't do anybody any good if it just sits there. Um, so it was a, it was a fun balance, you know, and luckily we were, we were pretty good at that. In uh, in in all of your jobs, when a pipes come in that you really want or you really like yourself, do you try to sell it faster than the other ones so that you get it out of there so you're not tempted to buy it? <laughs> That's a fair question, and and yes, sometimes. Um, now back in the heyday of of uptowns when Bo Nord pipes showed up, uh, hmm. Hmm. that wasn't really a problem because I couldn't mortgage the house or sell a car. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, uh, certainly there was. Um, and for me, I think again, over the years, getting to know both the retail customers that I had in retail level, uh, as well as customers that I had on the wholesale level, there were people I knew would be just as excited uh, about that particular pipe. Um, so yeah, there were some times that, that 
I got really excited because I knew somebody else would be just as excited as me. Um, <laughs> and plenty of times I could, you know, take them these days. It's a lot different now than certainly it was 20 years ago uh, that I can snap a picture on my phone that's as good a quality as, you know, back when I had a, a light box set up and, uh, you know, an expensive Nikon digital blah, 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 whatever camera to have to <laughs> yeah. download it and move it to my computer and, and then email it. And, um, you know, so the things were a little slower then. So it's, it's even more fun now that I can immediately see something and immediately put that to somebody uh, to take a look at. At, at at that point in your life, or I guess as your as your Music City career had matured, do you remember what pipes were in your personal collection? But uh, you know, honestly, a lot that I was fortunate to to have was the, were mainly things like the the pre move, the the still true Danish Stanwells were favorites. Um. There were a handful of Dunhills that I, I have that may not be special to anyone else, but they were to me just for whatever reason. I think we all have that uh, quirk, I don't know, <laughs> for lack of a better word, that it for whatever reason works. Um, I focused mainly and still do on sandblast. I, I really dig sandblast pipes. I, I've seen some pretty phenomenal straight grains over, over the years from factories as well as handmade makers. And though those are still impressive, uh, I, I love the character of a sandblast. So that's, that's what I looked at. Um, and luckily back in the day with Stamwell, I, I wish I could remember his name. I think I'm sure I was introduced to him as I watched him work in the factory there. Uh, the guy was probably 70, late 60s, somewhere in that area. Um, and watching him work there at Stanwell and Sandblast Pipes, I thought, this is this is a whole other thing. Um, and so I, I kind of kept an eye out for those. Uh, ring grain Dunhells are, are a favorite. Uh, and like I said, back then, especially in the, in the music city era, the, uh, the old Danish Samwells were, were my favorite. So, and I'm, I'm not particular to a shape, uh, either. It's, it's all about whatever just happens to give me that look (laughs) (laughs) and I reciprocate and give it back. And that's the one I'm after. Here he is giving an eye to the bowl, and then the bowl winks back at him, and it's... it's looking right back at him. Absolutely. I think I am not alone in this. I'm sure of it. It's all over. All right, so you uh, you left Music City, or Music City ended up closing down and being sold. What were you doing right. in the in, in the interim before you ended up at Briarworks? Uh, a lot. Um I, when I left Music City, it had not closed yet. I was, you know, laid off was the term I was given. And it was, you know, it's, this has been years now, so I don't, I don't feel so bad, but I was, I was pretty bitter for a while. Um, I went directly, in fact, within a day or two and reached out to both Todd and Pete and said, Hey, are, are you guys hiring? Because <laughs> I, I was fascinated with what they were doing back in the Icarus and uh, and Neptune days. As soon, you know, we were the distributor for 
uh, when the factory started. So, and I talked with with Todd for a while, and uh, I think at the time I was just kind of burnt and mad and bitter and just wanted to step away. Uh, just right before I I ran into Pete again, uh, I was working for a draft company, draft beer company. Because uh, again, I I loved interacting with the different people. I had my own schedule. I had a certain route and certain bars and restaurants and things that I catered to. Um, one of them happened to be right across the street from the Briarworks factory when they had moved down to Columbia, Tennessee. Um, I had moved after music city had moved down to spring Hill, which is about 10, 15 miles North of Columbia. And the job I had was taking me in and out of, of Columbia two or three days a week. And uh, like I said, there was a, a brewery that I worked with down there that is still right across the street from, from Brighter Orts. It's Asgard. You guys should try Asgard beer. It's great. <laughs> um, and I was literally uh, looking and, and, and ready to, to quit doing that. And was I was aware that Pete was moving the factory down to Columbia and I didn't know where. Um, and just as luck would have it, I literally parked across the street to go visit this brewery. And uh, Pete came out to the car to talk to me because they were about to get a beer license. And, and, and so he saw my car and it was branded up with the company I was working for and had no idea it was me. <laughs> uh, but met me in the street and was like, wait a minute, what are you doing? So, uh, so yeah, that's, the, it was, it was time. It was, uh, ridiculous as far as the timing on me looking to, to get back into this industry, to go back to what it is. I, I knew I had loved all along. Uh, the bitter was gone. <laughs> so, uh, and I, again, I know we may touch on this later, but I have always been a fan of what, what both Pete and Todd have done uh, with the factory, with what they had uh, set out to do at the onset and then where it has progressed to today. Uh, I told Pete, and you can ask him, I said, I, dude, I, I will sweep the floors for you. I don't know what you need me to do, but I've got retail experience. I've got uh, wholesale experience. The out come sweep the factory floors if you think that's what uh, what I should do or where I can fit in. But either way, I, I want to be a part of it. And, and we kind of worked. It took a few months for everything to kind of click together, but uh, eventually it all did. So now you're back to you're you're back to kind of a hybrid position again because you're doing some wholesale sales for them and kind and running their retail store, right? That's right. Um, I'm there Monday through Friday. I start my day with, you know, typical retail duties from, you know, doing a bank drop to uh, receiving inventory, that kind of thing, or uh, making sure that George, one of our better customers, has a cup of coffee ready for him when he walks in the door right behind me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, uh, the next thing I do, I... I Typically, will there are exceptions, but typically uh, every morning I check for orders that come through on our website. I box those up and ship them. 
So I hope if you've gotten a bite from us lately, it's uh, it's been up to your satisfaction because I'm probably the one that pulled it off the shelf and boxed it up for you. <laughs> if not, call me. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I go with, uh, you know, Pete and I go to the trade shows. We both have done some in-store events. Uh, there's more of that on uh, on the horizon. Uh, so I, I kind of help out wherever they need, and that's that's what I told Pete is what I wanted to do was, you know, essentially we have four other full-time employees. All four of those guys are pipe makers. Um, I bet they don't let me near sharp things, so I do not make <laughs> pipes yet. So um, I do kind of – I want to help them and do everything – else so that they can focus on what it is they do best uh, so whatever it is they need me to do from inventory from ordering to pricing to rearranging the humidor to whatever it is they need uh, i can do that so that allows pete and, and sam and the guys to focus on what it is they need to do to, to put out the product that uh, that we're all happy about so let's talk about the store because you also this past september had one heck of a uh pipe show there uh yeah you've got a full-blown humidor you've got do you, you have beer on tap and all kinds of stuff to drink as well yep we uh we've got 11 taps pete will be happy for me to let everybody know that we will be the only place that we've found so far within our distributors radius that will have coors banquet on tap <laughs> so that's one thing. But we also have Vine uh, uh, Stefaner, you know, the, the classic old German uh, Hefeweizen into a lot of local stuff, too, because Columbia is kind of hip and hopping and happening and uh, hopping both. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, 25 bottles and cans. We've got a, a full humidor that we have been really picky about. Um we're we're all big fans of all things tobacco and so we didn't want to just jump in and buy you know every cigar that's available out there because although our our footprint is large it is not that big <laughs> to carry everything so we're very focused uh on what we put in the humidor we do have you know some smaller boutique brands we also have some huge names like the crown heads obviously they're being from right here in uh Middle Tennessee, uh, my father in Tatawahe, that kind of thing. Um, but we also carry a ridiculous amount of pipe tobacco. Uh, I, I would wager there's no other place in Middle Tennessee that has the selection of tin tobacco that we carry. Um, it's, it's just not out there. Uh, we've got about 2,000 square feet of lounge. Oh, God. Uh, that 24 foot long bar that Pete and Sam built because, you know, woods guys and having a factory, we could do all that here. <laughs> uh, big screen TVs and we've got a big garage door that we roll up on, on days that will allow for that. And, uh, and then we've got another several thousand square feet of factory space, which is where we had the Mule Town Pipe Show last year. Uh, and we're, and I'm not going to say it yet, but we've got dates um, that we're looking at for this year. Uh, and, and Pete and I, in fact, very today spent a lot of time uh, talking about some things that we want to change and, and make better uh, for that. Uh, so we're, we're definitely 
looking to continue that on. I know there's been some, you know, changes and other pipe shows out there. We, we want to make one that uh, is different. And given that it's held at our facility, which, as you were kind of alluding to, the shop itself is called Columbia Pipe and Cigar from Columbia, Tennessee. Um, check us out on Instagram. <laughs> uh, but Briarworks is the back half of the building, essentially, where, where, the, where the factory is. So um, it's it's really unique, I think, to have a show where, you know, there's no tent because you can smoke at the event. Um, you don't have to leave for food or drinks or that kind of thing. We have all that for you. We stay open late anyway, but we stay open even later uh, during the during the show. So it's a it's a unique experience, and we're looking. Like I said, we we spoke at length today about things that we have the just the capability to do that other pipe shows don't. Um, which we're kind of proud of. We're, we're happy about and, and, and hope more and more people will, will come out for that and we hope to, to make it bigger and better every year. So in Richmond, there's a pipe show at a tobacco factory and in Columbia, Tennessee, there's a pipe show at a pipe factory. So right. two different, uh, two different sides of the hobby. Brad, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer. Just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. Seven is the answer to all of them. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, my favorite pipe is a sandblasted sailor from Yes Conibits. All right, Snooty. Um, what is your favorite <laughs> tobacco? I that's where I'm not so snooty. Escudo or even uh, Peter Sokeby's Bullseye Flake. And what is your favorite drink? Guinness Foreign extra stout not just the regular extra stout the foreign extra stout oh snooty um <laughs> when it's time to relax do you prefer a book a movie or music music it's nashville yeah i'm sorry and then finally <laughs> do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory that we didn't talk about um i don't know if you i don't think you did but i'll i'll tell it uh with with the Peter Stokeby story, I think that to me is, is it, it just it's hilarious. It should be told. I love telling it. Um, years ago, and Brian, I don't know if you remember. I'm going to say it was probably 2002. Yep, maybe maybe 2003. Nope, 2002. Uh, somewhere in, okay. Uh, we had a pipe show in Nashville that was not a pipe show. It was a pipe show along with an antique show, a little bit of a an interesting melange of, of show. Yeah. And yes, Conovitz was there. Uh, S bang pipes were there. Jody Davis was there and Simon Glenn Denning from Dunhill, as well as Peter Stokeby and your dear host, Brian Lee. <laughs> um, at the end of this ridiculous event, uh, our, the president of, of music city marketing asked all of these heads and all of these visitors to, uh, to stand up and say a couple of words, most of which were very dignified and, and, and clear voiced of thank you for having us. It was a great event, good turnout, everybody had a good time. Thank you again. We'll do it some other time. Um, made its way around this table, and this was very late, mind you, uh, which came to the legendary Peter Stokeby when he stood up 
he straightened his tie. He straightened his jacket. He stuck his chin in the air and looked around the, the table of all of these esteemed guests and, and, and pronounced, I have to pee, which <laughs> brought the house down. So that to me, that's, it, it was needed. It was a brilliant thing. Uh, and again, it reminded me why I love this industry. <laughs> All right, Brad, what is the, uh, what's the website and what is the Instagram again? Uh, Instagram, we're under Columbia Pipe and Cigar. Uh, it's the same on, on Facebook, too. And then, of course, BriarWorksUSA.com is all of anything you might ever need or want to know about Briarworks. Thanks for coming on. Welcome back to the uh, welcome back to the world of pipes and tobacco. And I apologize for anything I ever said in the past. <laughs> Luckily, I, well, never mind. Never mind. Yep. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. It was a fun time. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over twenty years. We've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. Using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf, each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at CND as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell and Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Uh, you know what? More about the uh, Mule Town Pipe Show coming up in the uh, mailbag segment. But uh, check out all the stuff they're doing at Briarworks. And if you're in the uh, central Tennessee area, stop by the shop. All right, for music, uh, taking it back to uh, since I'm heading off to Vegas the next the day after I record this, figure we go back to uh, Sammy Davis Jr., and this one is called A Stranger in Town. It's a lonesome feeling to go back home And to wander around the place You get off the train And you search in vain For just one familiar face Just arrived on the 710 Thought I'd see the old gang again But you know how they come and go I'm just a stranger in town Everywhere, everyone I see Seems to wonder who I can be And I 
About a stranger in town I saw a cottage on a lonely old street The weed had grown round the gate And somehow I felt that you would wait here my sweet but it looks like I'm too late guess I'll leave on the 1202 can't believe that there's no Is there nothing for me? Will I always be a stranger in town? I think of Sammy Davis Jr. I usually think of him doing a little more upbeat stuff, and I found that one, and I thought, dang, that is smooth and cool. Uh, anyway, uh, Sammy smoked a pipe occasionally. Mostly smoked cigarettes, though. Sweet, merciful crap! And uh, not much in the mailbag, but uh, hearing Homer makes me think, now that Disney owns Fox and The Simpsons, does that make Lisa a Disney princess? Um, probably not. Um, but there are a couple of things coming up, including, uh, I want to run you through the, uh, pipe smoking events from, uh, listed on pipesmagazine.com. You can go to pipe shows, uh, February 15th, the St. Louis pipe club, annual pipe show and swap. Uh, you can find out more by going to pipesmagazine.com or by Google searching it. But that's February 15th, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. February 20th is International Pipe Smoking Day, and more on that on just in just a minute. Um, in March, March 14th, the Sam Barnett Memorial and 28th Annual Pipe Convention in uh, Newark, New Jersey, right by the airport. So that's the one-time-a-year New York pipe show. Um, I believe it's April 4th is the... Uh, is the uh, Raleigh Pipe Show, the Triangle Area Pipe Smokers. Double check with them on that, uh, but that should be April 4th. Yes, and uh, then in May is uh, 
the Chicagoland International Pipe and Tobacchiana show. Uh, as soon as I hear what's going on, again, I'll tell you, but they are determined to hold a pipe show that weekend. It will be either at Pheasant Run or at one of the two backup locations that they're working with. Uh, but again, more, you know, as soon as I hear on that, I will let you know. Uh, then we go to August, August 21st and 22nd, the NASPC show, and they've moved to a new Crown Plaza, uh, a little closer in the, well, a little more central, but not much. But uh, anyway, I've stayed at that hotel before back when it was a Marriott, but that's in August. September, the Mule Town Pipe Show. I believe it's uh, September 4th, 5th, 6th, but again, I don't sure, I'm not sure if the dates are uh, up to date yet. And then don't forget, in October, you've got uh, Sutliff and the Core Show. They have agreed to redo it again in uh, Richmond coming up in October of this year. Also in October, I believe the uh, Dallas or Texas Pipe Show is going on again. And then uh, the end of October, October 31st and November 1st, is the West Coast Pipe Show at the Palace Station in Las Vegas. Cannot emphasize again how much how much fun it is and how important it is for you to get to a pipe show and meet people, uh, see all these pipes, touch all these pipes, hang out with people who understand you and can talk pipes with you. All right. On uh, international pipe smoking day, uh, I've said this in the past, uh, but our uh, friend pipe smoker, Rob E is, uh, going through some, uh, lymphoma treatments and, uh, there is a fundraiser putting uh, being put on in Grand Rapids, Michigan, by Cody Dewint, and the uh, and the pipe club up there. You do not need to be present to enter into some of the raffles, and you don't need to be present to donate. Uh, all the proceeds, everything is going to help Rob E with uh, you know, dealing with these uh, medical treatments and all the cost of that. Uh, if you want to learn more about Rob, you can go back about uh, two and a half years and listen to him on this show. Uh, anyway, for information, the email address is C-O-D-Y-D-E-W-I-N-D-T at gmail.com. That's Cody DeWint at gmail.com. Every little bit will help. I'm sending some stuff up there and I might have put a few 20s in that package too. Anyway, uh, do that and, of course, celebrate International Pipe Smoking Day. All right, in uh, just a moment, um, rant, rant rave observation thing. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Boy. 
can we talk about smell and and not the good smells the bad smells you know the ones that you don't want to be close to you know and i'm sensitive to some smells especially like perfume and uh, you know fancy frilly stuff like that but where does the where do the bad smells go i mean really come on you know we all know we accidentally you know rumble down south and a bad smell comes out and then it goes away and where does it all go and how does it get away well i know the answer it's the oxygen in the air that eats it up and digest you know and breaks it down and so therefore we need more oxygen in the air and uh, when you're around some other people you need more oxygen between you and them so that all the oxygen can do all the stuff eating up all the bad smells now you'd think that some of these people that smell bad well you'd think just them being out in the air would be enough to eat the bad smells off of them but apparently no apparently there are some people that need soap and water and need to understand that when you use perfume or fragrance or stuff like that you a little dabble do you not the whole bottle not a whole shot at one time but seriously, if you think about it, if all these bad smells just kind of hung around forever, I mean, pretty soon we'd all be, you know, smelling like a cow pasture or something worse. Uh, but that bad smell out of a cow pasture, you know, it grows grass and it sure tastes good in between a bun with some cheese on it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, really, if, if we didn't have all this oxygen eating all the bad smells away... Well, it'd be a pretty stinky place, so that's why, uh, you know, listen, it's important to have plants and trees and stuff like that and green grass and, you know, grow stuff like that so that we keep those smells away. Um, especially if it's like a bad smell or maybe a Latakia blend. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Sorry. Didn't mean to offend anybody. Anyway, uh, just think about that. Where do all the bad smells go? All right. Uh, remember, new episodes of the Pipes Magazine radio show go up every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Some of them way pre-recorded, like this one. If you have any comments or questions, email me Brian at pipesmagazine.com. Keep sharing the show out there. If you're thinking about traveling anywhere in the world, anywhere you're going, and want my advice, and maybe have me book it for you, it's Brian.Levine at mei-travel.com. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Thanks to Brad Emery for joining me. And until next time. the clouds when we're together just sing a song and think about sunny weather happy What about our trips to Disneyland? How can we do those things with a child around? <laughs>